welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. So I want to talk with you this morning, though, about some things I believe the Lord has shown me about how to love our neighbor so that we can love God even more. I want to start out with blessing and cursing. Um, our first pastorate, the church was small, it was tiny, and um, the sanctuary was so small that you could fit six, six Six, six sanctuaries inside of this one, 24 by 32. In fact, no, no, let me, 24 by 32, how much is that? Someone help me real quickly. Uh, that's 800 square feet, so a little less than 800 square feet. And we have uh, about 5,500, that's about right, about six sanctuaries in here. And we, we would grow, God was blessing, we'd grow to a certain point and then people would leave. And we'd grow to a certain point and people would leave. We were having weekly prayer meetings and I was so burdened and the leadership was burdened and we just couldn't figure it out. What we didn't know, it wasn't a spiritual issue, it was a space issue. Americans don't like to be crowded, that's the fact of the matter. And so... But we were praying, crying out to God and thanking God, but Lord, please give us wisdom. Show us what to do. Ultimately, uh, we, the, the church built, and that, that solved some things. But I'll never forget at the end of that meeting, uh, after we were open and poured our heart out to the Lord, one of the leader's spouses, uh, and let me say this, how many know that if you're a spouse of a leader, you're a leader? because you have influence. Leadership at its very basic form is influence. And whether, and in the church, whether you have an elected position or not, that doesn't, that has very little to do with, with leadership. But she said, could I have a word with you after everyone goes? And I thought, well, it must be some, something he wants to keep very confidential. Oh, I wish it had been confidential. I'll never forget that trusted woman. She put her finger in my face, and she looked like this, and I just want you to know I'm speaking the truth in love. I can't tell you. I'm gun-shy whenever I hear the words, I'm just speaking the truth in love. I, I, in fact, I put that in the same category as if I'm handed a note before church. Uh, a sealed note. I don't read those things till after I get home because I don't want to upset my whole morning. And thank the Lord, I, I rarely get a, a note that would be discouraging here at Grace. But she put her finger in my face and she said, I want you to know I'm speaking the truth in love, but the Lord has shown me that you're the problem. I was the problem. I was, I, I was devastated. We, I was working, and we were, we were having babies, and we're living this little parsonage, and they couldn't support me, and I was just all out, all the way, all the time, and for her to say that I was the problem, I'll never forget that feeling. That's what cursing does to an individual. It's meant to harm and to deflate, and someone, sometimes just to set someone straight. 
But I also remember the good news, the polar opposite of that. Many years after that, I was in the Holy Land on a wonderful trip, and we went to the Wailing Wall. And it, at the Wailing Wall, the men and the women have uh, certain sections. You can't intermingle. And I was so in awe of seeing pieces of paper and knowing that for centuries, centuries, thousands of years, that folks would write prayer requests and they'd stick it in the cracks of the great, uh, of the wailing wall, left there, and people would come and pray. And I'll never forget as I turned away and I began to walk back towards the city, an older woman came up to me. I could still see her. She was sort of hunched over, sort of like some of the the old ladies that when I grew up in our little town, the old ethnic ladies, and some wore babushkas, and they wore uh, black kids, high tops, and they cut out a place for their bunions. I mean, she sort of reminded me of that. And I'll never forget, she tapped on my shoulder, and she looked in my eyes, and she went, instead of pointing at me like this, she began to bless me in the name of God. I've never, never forgot that feeling of someone blessing me in the name of God. Today, as we look into God's Word, uh, God, I believe that what will emerge for us today is that, is that blessing is an instrument of God to bring life to people. But cursing is an instrument of destruction from the very pit of hell itself to destroy and to hurt and to bring someone down. In this passage, Jesus says we're to love God unreservedly with every, every, every faculty of our being, our mind, our soul, our strength, but we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. In other words, we cannot love God in any real sense unless we also love our neighbor made in the image of God, just like we are made in the image of God. My prayer today is that chains will be broken, that new wine will emerge from our lives, and that we will be free and say yes to be an instrument for God to bring life to people. This past week has been a very, very difficult one for my wife and for her family. Her brother, um, her brother who has been institutionalized for several years, and just a, sort of a sad, uh, sad situation. And Chris uh, sends care packages, and we visit him when we go to Florida, and always, you know, take him out. And but there's some, there's just some uh, um, sort of emotional issues that have been there a long time, and not really having the ability or the wherewithal to take care of himself. Just sort of a sad situation. But he goes to church all the time and quotes scriptures, and you know, it just. And always seems sort of resigned to where wherever he is. We got word that uh, we got word that Willie has stage four throat cancer, and he's lost a lot of weight, and he also has a tumor on his lungs. And the surgeon um, who operated on Friday came back with this report that uh, they, they they put a trach in, but they said um, the the prognosis was very dire. And Willie, this is what he said. He's refused treatment, and he's, he's crystal clear, and basically he's ready to go home. 
and he has a home in heaven. I thank God for that. But it's been very distressing on the family. They've walked through that. And so Chris shared some things with the women in her group that meet at our home on Friday, the Knitted Together group. And they, you know what this is about. They knit prayer shawls, and she's knitted I don't know how many. And she has one from, I think, when your mom died. But since Friday, she's been wearing this prayer shawl. And she said, I, you know, I've knit these for people. But she said, what this prayer shawl reminds me of, the blessing of my friends that they're praying for me. I'm surrounded by the prayers of my friends. It blesses her life that someone is standing in the gap praying and their words of wisdom. It has the power to bring life to us. The first thing I want to share with you, and you can look in the notes this morning, is blessing or cursing. James chapter 3, verse 10, and James had written about the tongue. And we'll read just verse 10, but he said this in verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. The scripture tells us about when we bless somebody, what happens. It says that heaviness is in in the heart of a man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Cursing and blessing both have a harvest. And I found that if the more that we bless people, we reap a harvest of blessing back. However, the more that we curse people or look to their harm, we also reap a harvest from that. And God's Word says that those who love it, the power of the tongue, those who love it will reap a harvest from it and they will eat its fruit. In Leviticus 19.18, and this is the the scripture that Jesus quoted, he said, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Romans 13.10 says this about blessing, that love does no wrong, does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, it fulfills the law, loving God and loving people. Galatians 5.14 and 15 says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. And the picture emerges. You know, it's rare we'd say, yeah, I know what it means to bless somebody. Yeah, and I, I, I can do that. I do that. But if we would say, if we would say, well, what about cursing? We'd say, no, well, no, I'd never do any. I'd never curse anybody. Because we think cursing means you S-O-B. No, that, you know, that, that is that. But you, I wish you go to hell. I wish this. I wish that on you. But the Bible defines cursing as this, this picture. It means that we want harm to come to an individual. That we want vengeance. That we want vengeance on them. Paul wrote that it means that we We bite and we devour or we scheme or we practice malicious gossip. But blessing wants good to come to an individual. I was reading just the other day that 
It said that a father, a good father, is devoted, is devoted to the wellness of his children. He does not devote himself to their destruction. Cursing puts us in the lane of being devoted to the destruction or the harm of an individual. But blessing wants good to come. It blesses them with love. It blesses them by our presence, our words, our deeds, our thoughts, our prayers of standing in the gap for them. I want to share something with you, and you can imagine this. If you take a, take a sheet of paper, a blank sheet of paper, and I believe the Lord showed this to me because um, I, I just, uh, something had, had happened in, in just a, a leader, and everyone's led by somebody. If you don't have a leader in your life, you're in a dangerous place. How many, how many are aware of that? If it's just you and Jesus, that's, I'm telling you, that's not a good place to be. Everyone has a spiritual authority in their life, and, and, uh, and so a decision has been made, a, a philosophy, if you would, and, and I, I'll just have to say that uh, it got me pretty worked up, let me put it that way. It's something that, it's a hill I'm willing to die on, that this, and, and they, they just don't see it that way. That's all there is to it. Now, they're wrong, but... So what happens? What happens? What happens? So, I, uh, you know, I called someone that's been a great mentor in my life. And I was telling them about it. And, and just their words were a blessing to me. And because they're a great mentor and a friend, and I've known them for a while, and I'm not talking about Pastor Earl Baldwin today, just so you all know, you don't have to guess anymore who it is, but they've been a great mentor. And they said, this is what they said, their words to me. They said, Paul, you, we, under, we absolutely see that. But be careful, be careful this doesn't get in your spirit. You have something to add to our fellowship. You have a contribution that's needed and respected. But if you let this thing manifest in the wrong way, you'll find your voice neutralized and you'll be disqualified in people's minds from giving, having a contribution. And I just, I got off and I mentioned it to my wife. I said, this is what... This is what the, the, uh, the friend, the dear friend has said to me. He didn't have to say much else to me. And I, I went to prayer, and I said, Lord, first of all, thank you. Thank you. Oh, God, thank you. And the Lord said this to me. He said, I want you to begin to bless that individual. I want you to bless him. He said, I want you to bless him because I love him. He's a leader. He's a leader over you. This is the organization you're part of. I want you to bless that individual because he, it, and just a number of things. And the Lord showed me how to do that. But one of the things he showed me is this, and it's to take a sheet of paper and make a column, make two columns. And one is blessing on the top and the other is cursing on the other side. And then under, under that, you can take an individual's name. For instance, if I... If I put my wife's name, she's in the blessing column, all right? Now, what goes on between me and her, that's another matter. No, but she's in the blessing column. 
She's in the blessing column. You know, there are sometimes people, people, and because of their behavior or their attitude, we want them to stop and we literally put them in the cursing column. But God said to me, what you're dealing with is their behaviors and what I see them as children of myself who's made them in my own image. And he said, I want you to begin to shift people from the cursing column over to the blessing column. I want you to bless them. I want you to pray for them. And there's a way to speak the truth in love. But the proverb says this, that we can love the power of life and death and we receive also the fruit from that. And so what happens, friend, is if we're in the blessing column, we've dedicated ourselves to bless people regardless of their behaviors. And I know there's behaviors that are annoying and there's behaviors that are flat out wrong. But that's why we have Matthew 18, by the way, that if there's an offense, we go to a brother or a sister. How many understand what God's word has to say? But when we're in the cursing column, it opens our life up to bitterness. It opens our life up to go deeper and deeper into this dark hole. But when we open ourselves up to the column of the blessing of God, we begin to use this tongue because our tongues are an instrument either for cursing or blessing. As we begin to use these, these tongues of ours to bless people, when we do that, it opens up the doors of heaven to receive the life, not only the life that it blesses people with, but the life of God in our very soul. Praise his name. And I challenge you to do that. And I, be I believe that God will visit your life with freedom because the enemy wants part of his curse is that you will be bound and you will be chained. And thank God he has something better for you and for me. Praise his name. Amen. The second thing I want to share with you this morning is that why are we called to love our neighbor? Why, was, why did Jesus say it? And, and why was it said all the way back in, in the Old Testament in Leviticus? It's because our neighbor is made in, the, in God's image. Our neighbor is made in God's image. Genesis chapter 1 tells us about that and, and what that image is. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. If the scripture said that God cursed him, he would have said... <laughs> I'm against you, and I want your numbers to dwindle. I'm going to contain you. I'm going to treat you with spiritual chemo or radiation and a scorched earth policy so that you'll retreat to a cave and never dare say another word. But God said, because he blessed them, when we bless people, we're saying, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth. And it's as though that he saw them because they were children made in his image and they carried his, the hopes of the future of God. 
It's like today would be we in a family, we want our children and grandchildren to carry on our family values. If we have a family business, we might want them to engage and carry on the family business. They were the object, and you and I are the object of his love and his desire. So he blessed them and he blesses us with fruitfulness and to fill the earth with his ways and his presence. I don't know anything that will bring more chaos and conflict than family problems. Is there an amen in the house? All right, I know, I know. We all could shout amen, but we're all quiet, amen. Between brothers and sisters, grown-ups, I'm not speaking to them ever again. My mom told me of a relative that we have long ago for some reason. The mother cut her son off, would never speak with him. Tried to make things right. She wouldn't let him. He recently passed away. He's about my age, Vietnam veteran, outstanding career. His mom's in her 90s. She refused to go to his funeral. Friends, life is too short. It's too short. We don't have to carry those chains and those bondages around with us. We're called to bless. We're called to love our neighbors as ourselves. I'm going to talk about boundaries in just a little bit because I know some of them. Well, you don't know my family and what, I, what they did to me. I, I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't need to know that, but I do know what God's Word says. That we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. To love them and see them as God sees them. The prodigal son demonstrates the love of the father. And the prodigal son, he was the youngest. And that, in that culture, he wanted, he wanted his son and his other son, the two that we know of, to carry on the family business that had been inherited for probably centuries. The oldest son was diligent in that, but the youngest son just said, I'm, uh, I'm tired of this, I don't want this. And he went, he went to his dad and he said, look, I can't wait for you to die, so give me my money now, give me my inheritance. And the astounding thing is that the father did. A third of it belonged to his youngest son, and he went out and with riotous living, he wasted it and he was wasted away. But the prodigal son is, is the parable that Jesus gave of how the father looks at us and sees us. No matter how deep the sin or the trespass, he's looking and he wants us to come home. And in the, in the parable of the prodigal son, after the, the young man came to his senses and he was he was starving. No, all, he was out of options. He said, I'm going to go home. Maybe I could just be a servant, at least have a roof over my head and something to eat. The Bible says that he got close to home and his father, his father noticed down the lane, down this dusty road, he noticed this cloud of this dust, something caught his attention. And when his, fa his son was 
way off. And I don't know what way off means, a quarter of a mile, a third of a mile. He noticed a gait that was familiar, the posture that was familiar. He noticed it was his son and the father ran to him and fell on his neck and hugged him and kissed him. And they called a feast. He said, my son that was lost is now home. God calls us to love, to love people and to see them the way that he sees people. So often people get under our skin. They do things that aren't right and it's, it's, it just happens, happens. We need to see that as brush fires rather than the end of our life as we now know it. Sometimes we can put people in the cursing column. We'd say we'd never do that, but we'll be passive aggressive to make sure they fail. I won't cooperate. I'm going to take my ball and go home. God, Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we take our ball and we go home, you don't want to go home with your ball because your home is already declared. I'm going to take my home and I'm getting out of here and I'm going to show them home is not where you need to go. Can someone say amen? Seriously, church, home is not where we need to go. We need to go to the Father and say, How, what do you want me to see? How can I be a blessing? What are there boundaries that need to happen here? But Lord, what can I do so that I'm not in the cursing column, but I'm in the blessing column in this, in this thing, in, in the body of Christ or with my particular neighbor that I'm going through something? In fact, in fact, <laughs> Jesus said, not only are we to bless those around us, but we're even to bless our enemies. And at church, it gets really hard right now. Really hard. Bless our enemies. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36, the one that I love to quote and do often is this, that give and it'll be given unto you in the same measure, same press down, overflowing, will men give to you, overflowing in your life. But the whole context of that is our relationships to other people. And it is true about being generous. If we're generous, we'll receive generosity back in kind. But the context of what Jesus is talking about is do not judge and you won't be judged. And do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. Give and it will be given to you. He said, I say to you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Treat others the same way, he said, that you want them to treat you. He said, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for God himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. The power of life is in the tongue for cursing or for blessing. There's a harvest that it yields. If we're in the cursing column, we put ourselves 
and we remove ourselves from under the umbrella of God's grace, we're in a place, we're in a home place that God won't go there other than to be faithful and to love us. But His blessings won't. But when we bless people, when we love them, and there's a way to do that. I want to talk about boundaries just for a moment. There's a way to do that. And one of the ways to do it is we ask the Lord, in this situation, uh, am I being part of the problem or part of the solution? God spoke to me about, about this particular leader. I just have a disagreement, and I am so glad. I am so glad that when I had the opportunity publicly, we were in a, uh, we were in a meeting. It was a, sort of a, a closed-door meeting, but it was just, I don't, I don't want to give all the details that I did not stand, I did not stand and confront, and I am so glad that I've not, that the Lord spoke to my heart not to be part of some counter movement, if you would. But the Lord said, I want you to pray for him, I want you to serve, I want you to bless, he's my person. It's the process you've used. I want you to contribute. I don't want you to disqualify because you're in the cursing column, but I want you to pray and to make yourself available. And if they choose not to go your direction, I'm the one who has initiated this whole thing. After all, I've got everything under control. There are some boundaries. Sometimes, sometimes, there are relationships that are toxic or they're fueled with guilt and shame. God calls us to speak the truth in love, but there are sometimes we just, God, we just can't go there with that particular person. How many know what I'm talking about? Let me, let me just, how this has worked out in our life the last couple of months. Um, the encouraging thing is this, that after all these years, God is still pressing me for new wine in my life. That's the wonderful thing. That's the wonderful thing. And I still want to yield to new ground, surrender to the new ground. I don't know it all. I don't do this. I, I just don't know it all. But I know God's word. And I want to be obedient to the word of God. And so, a couple months ago, an individual that we had prayed for, we'd loved, and we'd prayed for, and we'd done, we'd done good for, and all this, that, and the other, there was an occasion, and it was so toxic. The things that were said about grace assembly of God, and that old bony finger reared its head again. But this time, there was no pretense of speaking the truth in love. They just said, and you're the reason that church is the way it is. It slayed me. And then my whole family and anyone within my family that last name begins with D and has R-O in it and ends with S-T, you're all bad. And you're the biggest toad in the puddle. Whew. Well, there's three things I'll die for. 
I'll die on this hill on my family. I'll die on this hill called grace. And I want to conduct my life in a way of integrity as a leader that I can say, follow me as I follow Christ. This was so deep, so it hurt so bad. And I didn't know what to do. And I, I prayed out to the Lord. I mean, these things stir your emotions. They stir things down deep inside that you thought you'd been delivered from. They stir things that will put you in jail. I mean, it's bad. Oh, Lord, help me. You talk about carnality. If any, if any of us in this building, including myself, think that we've really arrived, I'm telling you, it doesn't take much to get below the surface. I said, God, I don't know what to do. I can't fight this because this is what I know, friends. You cannot fight toxicity with reason, and you can't fight sin with reason. Sin is irrational. Toxic people are irrational. This is what the Lord said to me. This is what he showed me. He said, you need to bottle that up and put it in a bottle. You need to cork it and put toxic on it and then put it on the shelf. Just don't go there anymore. So what that means for me, I had a choice, blessing or cursing. I wanted to curse so bad. I mean, I just wanted to. I just wanted to. The Lord said, this is what he says, you have to bless, you have to pray for. But he also said, I'm instructing you in this, do not go there anymore. Put it up. Put it up. And there are times we need to draw boundaries for people. But we can never, even when we have to do boundaries, we may never as a follower of Jesus Christ, cut our hearts off from people where we refuse to pray for them or to see them as our Heavenly Father sees us. The last thing I'm going to share with you is loving ourselves. Romans 8, 13 through 17. We'll start in verse 14, actually. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption. We have not received a spirit of slavery. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. God wants to glorify you and me one day with him. That's the track he has on. That's the track that he has for us. I've I'm in this bucket. I'm not going to ask what's in this bucket because I've been told by my family, don't ask this. I had a bag one Sunday morning, and I asked, a couple times I've asked, I've got the wrong answer. That's all I'm going to say. So, how many are interested in what's in this bucket, by the way? All right. Chains. In this bucket, 
It's a five-gallon bucket. That means that there'd be 10 half gallons, and this takes up a half a gallon. It's, it's a chain. It's only 14 feet long. You can hook it up to a truck, and you can pull a truck out of a ditch. Strong, practically unbreakable. God wants us to see ourselves as he sees us through Father's eyes. Without that, there's chains that are around us, that hold us, that bind us. That by default, we go back into that default. That's all we know, and it can be from family, it can be from what people have said, it can be our outlook, but it limits us and hinders us. Someone will say, you're great, you'd make a great so-and-so, and your mind tells you, no, I can't do that. No, that's not so. The enemy comes to condemn us. I'm so grateful that when our heart condemns us, our own heart, that God's greater than our heart. But these are chains that bind. When we see ourselves through our Father's eyes, rather than through the eyes of our enemies who are devoted to our destruction, there becomes a sense and appreciation of blessings, that He wants what's good for me, and He loves me anyway and anyhow. The love of God does not change. We have four daughters and how many grandkids? Six. Six down and one on the way. Yeah. But if anyone would ever ask and ask you as a parent, who do you love the most? I can't answer that. I can't answer that. If they'd say, who's disappointed you the most? Well, I, I can say that there's sometimes some of our children and our grandchildren disappoint us more than others. Who are the most proud of? I can't say who I'm most proud of. There's things that they've done, behaviors that they've done that I'm real proud of. But that doesn't define that they're our children. Our love doesn't change. It's the baseline. It's the flat line. It's the line that, it's the common ground. It's the ground before the cross that's level. And the, it's the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not what we've done or what's behind us. Years ago, there was an experiment, and they, they took a, a predatory fish called a northern pike, and they have great big teeth and big jaws, and they're, oh, they're vicious. And they had this glass tank, and they poured in buckets of minnows. And the worship team, you can come on now if you would. Um, they had, they, they put buckets full of minnows in, and this, that's, what, that's what they eat. And he'd slash through that. I mean, just tear them up. They're just bits and pieces of minnows floating in the tank. But then, then they put a big, thick plate glass that separated the northern pike 
from the rest of the tank, and they dumped in buckets of minnows, and that pike, their tails are so, so just like this, and charged, and he charged right into the plate glass. And he backed up. And then he did it again. He kept doing it and doing it until finally the invisible wall told him, you can't go there. And then what they did, they removed the plate glass. And the minnows are swimming around and just looking at them. And then these crazy minnows came up and they started picking on his cheeks. I don't know if you ever swim in a farm pond, ever get bit, you know, a little bit by... They started biting at this crazy thing. But experience told him, you can't go there. You can't go there. And if you've had a good father in your life or maybe a mentor, some have not had good fathers, but a mentor, what does that look like? For me, what my dad taught me, that he had time for me and he cared for me. We didn't have any money when we were growing up in Maine, didn't have much. I wanted a baseball bat so bad as a kid and they couldn't afford a baseball bat. So my dad got a two by four and he whittled a bat and I just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. It was probably, I remember I wanted to join Boy Scouts so 12 bucks for a uniform. We just didn't have it. My mom cut my dad's suits down when I was 12 years old. Just imagine that. I wore, that's what I wore to church. But I never didn't think that much about it. But I remember playing sports and every game he was there, cheer me on. I remember him taking me trout fishing when I was a kid up in the wilderness of Maine, just me and him in the brooks, teaching me to hunt because he loved me and there's a future that he had for me as his oldest son. He wanted me to grow up to love God and wanted me to have his values. And that's how... Friends, that's how God sees us. Today, God would say to us that stand on my word as your solid rock and don't build on the shifting sands of those whose view of you doesn't align with God's word. That includes the devil. That includes people that tell you you can't. That includes people who try to get, that know the buttons to push, just create the boundaries that are there. But instead of that, even begin to bless them in Jesus' name. Praise His name. I want to end this today. There's a great blessing found in Deut- Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's not based upon because we've done all the right thing. We've crossed the T's and dotted the I's. It's based on because you're made in the image of God. God wants us to follow suit so that when we bless people, We don't have anything good to say, just don't say it. But the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord give you peace. May his countenance be lifted up on you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
we can take that place. We can make our faith shine on people. Praise His name. Amen. Praise Jesus. This is what's on my heart. This is for you and for me and for Grace Assemblies of God. I, I, this is what I want. I want in this world of rancor and hatred, and we saw it this past week. We're going to see more of it this week. It doesn't stop. I believe that the Lord is here to break chains. Put them in a bucket called toxic. Put it in the basement and in the corner. Just don't get it out. Instead, let's pray for those that despitefully use us. But let's open ourselves up that our tongues give life and blessing so that we can receive life and blessing from the Lord. Praise His name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for a moment.